G'day, Troy Dean from WP Elevation, and welcome to episode number 41 of the WP Elevation podcast. And this week, I'm not hosting the WP Elevation podcast. What do you mean, Troy, you're not hosting it? You're here talking to us. Well, yes, I'm just doing the introduction, and I'll see you on the other side of this interview. But this week, we have a very special guest host, Matt Medeiros from The Matt Report. That's right, this is the very first host swap, where Matt and I have swapped seats for a week I'm hosting an episode of The Matt Report in which I interview Jafe, uh, Jafe Thompson, who is now with X-Team and working on the Stream plugin. Of course, Jafe was WordPress evangelist at Envato for about four years, and he's now with the X-Team working on the Stream plugin. I was going to interview Nathan Barry for The Matt Report, but uh, he was a little bit busy with a product launch, so I interviewed Jafe uh, instead, and Matt is interviewing Jason Cohen from WP Engine on this week's episode of the WP Elevation podcast, which you're about to see or hear in a couple of moments. Uh, this interview is fascinating. It was, I must admit, a bit weird watching an episode of the WP Elevation podcast hosted by someone else. When Matt sent me through the video, I was like, wow, he's asking all the right questions in all the right places. Um, and uh, it, but, but it was good. It was actually good to let go of the control uh, that I, you know, have over the WP Elevation thing and to give it to someone else and say, hey, here's the system we go through for recording an episode of the podcast. Here's the guest I'd like. Uh, you go and knock yourself out. And Matt did a stellar job, as is to be expected, because he is a consummate professional and a great operator. But it was really interesting to let go of the reins and see if the system actually held up, and it did. Uh, which is, one of the things that you're going to learn in this episode is the importance of delegating now, I'm not saying that I'm going to delegate all of the podcast episodes to Matt because that's ridiculous, but it was a good experiment. Uh, the one thing that I do in this business pretty well, I think, is host the podcast, and it was good to actually get that off to someone else for a week just to see what happened. Uh, so you're going to learn a lot more about systemizing and delegation if you listen to this interview with Jason Cohen. Of course, WP Engine, uh, the preeminent uh, premium WordPress managed WordPress hosting company. They've been around for a while now. They've grown to over 150 employees. They are absolutely smashing it out of the park. Uh, and in this week's episode, I am giving away a free coaching call on Skype with myself just because I'm feeling generous. So stick around for details on how you can enter that competition a little bit later on in the interview. Uh, it's going to be very fascinating for you guys to see and hear an episode of WP Elevation hosted by Matt Medeiros interviewing Jason Cohen from WP Engine. Stay with us. Let's elevate. This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. This episode of the WP Elevation Podcast is brought to you by Video User Manuals, the original, the best, the first, the only way to teach your clients how to use WordPress to manage the content on their website. Of course, the plugin puts over 60 video tutorials in the back end of your client's WordPress dashboard to teach them how to use WordPress, how to use WooCommerce, and how to use SEO by Yoast. So they don't need to ring you and pester you with those annoying questions like, how do I add an image to my page? Uh, the video tutorial plugin just shows them how to do everything they need to do. You can check out more at wpelevation.com vum and see a video walkthrough of how the plugin works and how you can use it to sell more projects and win more clients. All right, my elevation tip of the week this week is to start delegating before you think you need to. Here's the thing about delegating. Once you start getting things off your desk, it's not, see, see what I was taught about delegating, what I learned about 
delegating was when I read The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss and he said, you know, why do something that you can pay someone less per hour to do than you earn? So if you put your time at, say, 50 bucks an hour, when you can pay someone $20 an hour to do it, then why would you do it if you're $50 an hour and they're only $20 an hour? But here's what I've worked out is taking that one step further, when you delegate something to someone, if you can delegate something to someone at $20 an hour, then all you need to do is work out how you can generate more than $20 of revenue in that hour. And this is what I think you should be focusing on in your business. You should be focusing on how to generate more revenue, which is all about positioning, publishing authority-based content, blogging, podcasting, uh, video tutorials, whatever it is to position you as the authority. Sorry, there's a bug flying around here in the studio, and that's why I'm trying to grab it. Uh, how you can... I missed, okay? I didn't kill it. I missed. Uh, how you can position yourself as the authority, but you can't do that if you're too busy doing the things that you should delegate off to someone else. So work out what it is you don't enjoy doing, what you don't actually need to do in the business, and delegate that off to someone else. My experience has, since we have been uh, delegating things to our remote team, whether it was um, uh, Kristen, who was working for me through Zirtual in the States, whether it's our developers who work for us in our office in Manila in the Philippines, whether it's Jin, our community manager. When the more stuff I delegate to people, the more stuff happens and the more time I've got to do higher level things in the business, like form partnerships with you know, other partners that we're partnering with to add more value to our audience and add more value to their audience and for me to go and find bigger clients for us to work with because I'm delegating things. And I started delegating, and it was scary, but I started delegating before I needed to because I knew that there was no way we were gonna grow if I didn't start delegating. And Jason Cohen, in this interview, talks a lot about delegating and some of the things that you should be delegating. Nice segue, Jason Cohen is, of course, founder of WP Engine, and he's got a fascinating story to tell about his entrepreneurial journey and um, some of his strategies for success. I strongly recommend you listen to all of this interview. It's very entertaining, it's highly engaging, and you will learn tons. And it's hosted by my good buddy, Matt Medeiros, from The Matt Report, and our very first guest host on the WP Elevation podcast. Uh, if you want to see me interview someone, get on over to themattreport.com, where I interview Jafe from X-Team, X-Invado, of course, and he's now with X-Team. So without further ado, let's go and check out Matt Medeiros interviewing Jason Cohen. Good day, everybody. Welcome to WP Elevation. Good day. Is that how these Australian Aussie folks say it? I hope so. I hope I'm not ruining Troy. I, I sat in a mirror for like 30 minutes. I'm like, can I do an Australian accent? Was that like New Zealand? No. I'm Portuguese. I can't do this. Uh, so WP Elevation, uh, we're here to elevate your WordPress uh, freelance business. Uh, today joined by Jason Cohen, co-founder uh, of WP Engine. Jason, welcome. Thanks for having me. I know Troy usually gives away his house and his car and everything uh, for some kind of special prize. I don't think we have any lined up, but I'm sure if there are any, uh, Troy will be putting this in the show notes. This is a special host swap uh, where from the Matt Report, I come and host the WP Elevation, and Troy will be hosting an episode of the Matt Report uh, with Nathan Barry. Uh, so we'll be doing some kind of announcement of this, so go ahead and uh, make sure you tune in uh, to both episodes. It should be really fun. Let's jump right into the questions, the WP Elevation questions. Um, Jason, when you were a kid, what did you want to do when you grow up? Well, I don't know that I gave it a ton of thought. Um, I think a lot of people in technology are obsessed with computers at a young age and have various stories about computers with small amounts of RAM measured in with letters like K instead of M's or G's. Um, 
and I have all those stories too, but they're sort of boring because a lot of people have them. So I don't know. I just sort of I like computers. I like programming. So I followed that, and I was very lucky that um, I happened to grow up and then enter the workforce in the mid '90s, where being able to program something was useful and lucrative. And in America, and a cisgendered white male, and all that other uh, sort of genetic lottery stuff, as Warren Buffett says. <laughs> and so it was just it it was um, it was possible for me to take that skill and really make a living at it. Um, so I did a uh, this is my fourth startup. Did a bunch of startups, some bootstrapped, some uh, some venture funded, uh, as a single founder, as a co-founder, and so on. Um, I think maybe I'm an unemployable um, in terms of my attitude towards <laughs> many things and. Perhaps that's why I started doing startups. So it's very hard to be um, introspective and retrospective because you don't get to run the experiment more than once to know what is really driving all that. But that is nevertheless what happened. Yeah, I think I think unemployable runs in the fabric of all of us. Uh, <laughs> as right. I, uh, I do remember back in the day uh, trying to hook up my dad's computer. I don't even I don't even know what it was. I think it was like a Sperry, or maybe that's what, that's what the keyboard manufacturer was, but it had, uh, you know, the, the typical real floppy drive with the five and a half inch discs and uh, trying to get Dig Dig to play, which was a game on DOS. Um, when did you first discover the web, and when did you say to yourself, you know, this is the path I'm going to go down as an entrepreneur? Um, well, I lived through the late 90s, and... Uh... That was not the web as we know it today. It was obviously a strange bubble, but you, you, you sort of couldn't avoid it um, in, in software there. You were sort of dragged through the maelstrom. So <clears throat> um, emerging from the other side of that, obviously there's things like email and the web and e-commerce and things that um, you sort of couldn't deny existed. This is before social and before, um, uh, you know, before mobile, and so those things hadn't risen I think with those, it's very solidly understood, with, you know, how the role of the internet is is unveiling. After the bubble, it wasn't as clear, but one of the things that I found is I had the software product called Code Historian, which integrated with version control systems and gave you um, visualizations that that helped you actually get information and use out of version control. And it was just a project, a side project, but by putting it on the internet, people found it. Eventually, they paid for it. And they had ideas about what it should do um, that were different than mine, and, and some of those ideas were definitely better than mine, and and uh, you know, I followed those, and this is where my third company, SmartBear, kind of grew out of that, and all of that was made possible only by the internet. So you had people all over the world finding it, therefore a lot of people, which is which was unusual earlier, um, it was very hard to find people, then it was easy. Um, Google just came out with AdWords, and so for five cents a click which doesn't exist anywhere now but for 5 cents a click you could ha you could I could be the only ad on subversion right like so um, it was you at that moment it was you were very findable um, even inexpensively findable and so um, it just was a platform that that where you could find customers and they could find you for relatively cheaply and it was novel um, so again, I think it was that's fortuitous that 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 all happened at that time. You can't you take any of the lessons I learned there and apply them today because the world's just so different, including AdWords, of course. Um, where for most people, AdWords is actually one of the worst performing channels you can get. Interestingly, even though I uh, that was a big part of SmartBear's being built. But so I kind of again, it was just sort of there, and was sort of obvious um, in that just by stumbling around, it was so obviously good um, that that you just stuck with it. Um, Later I on, I had a blog about startups. This was after SmartBear was successful. Um, got pretty popular, 40 or 50,000 subscribers, got on Hacker News every week. And that blog 
crashing, that, that WordPress blog crashing due to the traffic from Hacker News is actually the genesis of WP Engine, the WordPress hosting company in which your blog doesn't crash when you're on Hacker News or the Today Show or 2020 or um, or the CMA Awards or any of the other things that our customers today are and, and receive. Um, so that was that was fun and um, but even then like again I blog because I like I wanted to write I wanted to figure out what I thought about things and how to articulate that better and I've been doing that for seven years but again it was a it was something that was interesting because of WordPress and because of the reach of the internet I was able to do that and and slowly and eventually quickly build a, a following there and, which improved me in terms of my ability to think and and articulate things um, but also was a you know, itself a powerful force. And so once again, the internet sort of, uh, and WordPress and, and the other open source projects in this case, sort of coming together to, um, to, to be valuable, sort of not in a way that I had foresight uh, for, but it was just there and it unfolded and, and there I was. And so I don't pretend to have great insight into the internet or blogging. Um, maybe I have hindsight now having you know, done those things and having success there. So that's useful, but I don't pretend like I had foresight then. Uh, at all. Um, I remember back <clears throat> maybe about three, I want to say about three years ago, uh, I was cutting my grass, doing some yard work, and I was listening to you on Mixergy. And oh, yeah. you were talking about the, um, you know, the genesis of WP Engine. And one of Troy's next questions, uh, for those of you listening, uh, this might sound a little rigid, only because I'm following Troy's format. I'm trying to I'm trying to play it very nicely uh, into uh, the WP Elevation uh, format without the Australian accent. So the, his next question is, when did you discover WordPress? I think we'll skip past the sort of tree hugging experience of I love WordPress because it was so great to publish. But I maybe talk about because I love the story. I remember, uh, you know, I, I think Troy says uh, fist pumping in the air uh, when I heard you on Mixergy three plus years ago um, when you talked about providing that service for WordPress. People at the time. I mean, there's now yeah. so vast, but they were just bloggers at the time. Yeah. Um, I guess take us down that journey of when you looked at WordPress as a platform and said, you know what, it needs managed hosting. Yeah, that's a good question. So um, again, I needed I needed it just so the site would stay up um, and, and be reasonably fast. Um, when I got a load of traffic, and I would call up other blogger friends and ask, um, what do you do for this? I don't care if it's 50 bucks a month or something. I just don't want to have to think about it. And the answer was always, I don't know, but if you find it, tell me, because I need that. <laughs> so then it turned into customer development. You know, if I made it fast and, and scalable and secure, maybe a staging area so you can test stuff out before it goes live, would you give me 50 bucks a month? And it was pretty easy for that particular idea to get to a yes. Um, and so it turned out to be a good, a good one. Um, but um, I think it was when we found that most of the sites were not blogs that the light bulb went out. Uh, went up, because <laughs> um, even now, uh, a lot of people outside of the WordPress world think of WordPress as a quote-unquote blogging platform, even though we all know that that's not true. That's simply its roots. Well, it's also a blogging platform, of course, but that, that that's not all it is. Most of our customers today do not use WordPress for blogs, or a blog is just a piece of the website um, as as they are. Um, and so, and of course, there's many more uses besides quote-unquote website or marketing site. So. Um, even then, it was clear to us because we looked at our own customer demographics. Oh, this is not blogs. This is websites. That's a light bulb because that means it's huge. And of course, WordPress is massive and growing. Like the numbers are so big, you can describe it as um, the entire internet minus one zero is how big WordPress is, which is 
stupid big, right? The opportunities, yeah. the niches, the the growth, all of it is is actually almost unthinkably large. Um, uh, and so the opportunity is definitely there. I think in general that's where hosting um, in has gone over the last 20 years. Meaning, um, what happens is the the um, hosting is always commoditized from the bottom up, and so you always have to be going up the stack. To ask how can I add value that that isn't there already that takes work and people and and or consultants or code or processes and stuff to do and how can I package that into a product so that that becomes a, a, a just a component and not like a thing I have to manage and so you know early on is you had to colo right rack your own boxes and wherever and then the idea of of um, you know, like a, a rack space or a soft layer saying, no, we'll have standardized boxes and we can just rack a ton. You don't have to do that. And we'll replace the disk drives when they go out. And we'll watch for them when the network goes out. And we'll replace the switches. And that was that was like the next level. Then you got virtualization, where the hardware itself is absolutely commoditized. And so let's, let's, um, let's make a cloud. And, of course, the first cloud is VMware. But then there's the public cloud, another level. Um, but even now, like, you can see the commoditization happening, uh, you know, Amazon is as cheap as Google, which is as cheap as DigitalOcean, and of course they all have, you know, in, in Rackspace, they all have different attributes that make them a little different, but they're all secondary differences. They're not primary ones. And so you have to keep pushing the envelope. So for Amazon, that's a preponderance of developer tools and services that you use. Um, for DigitalOcean, it's simplicity. Um, you know, and you can go to, for Rackspace, it's support and service, right? So these, these are the things that are not quite as commoditizable. Well, for us, you know, if we were just selling Linux boxes, obviously that's completely commoditized. But for us to say, well, yeah, sure, you can double-click on your WordPress one-click, you know, script, and you have WordPress, but it's not secure. It doesn't scale. Um, you you can't make it work on two machines instead of one for that kind of scale. It doesn't have caching. Um, you'll get hacked. You might download things that are hacked, or it might happen anyway. Your SSL won't be quick. I mean, you just you know, there's no one to call if you have trouble. Like you just go down the list of all this stuff you still have to do. So that pushing up into that is is the next step, and this has happened with email already, right? You don't run email servers anymore. My God, we use Gmail or whatever, right? And that, that's crazy at this point. Well, right. to me, it's just, that's true of all major apps. So Heroku did it with Rails and then other things, but of course that's what we know it for. Um, and at the time, no, no, really, no one was doing that well, like Heroku for WordPress. And in fact, initially, that's how I thought of WP engine was Heroku for WordPress and indeed we have git push to deploy and staging areas and continuous backups and all this stuff that Heroku had for developers that um, we've had for years and in fact um, I don't think any of our competitors have any have all three of those things which to me is actually funny like you you could <laughs> right you could copy that um, um, but it's it's partly because we thought of ourselves as Heroku for WordPress that we did that so it's not over. Like, look how many competitors we now have, right? At least 15, maybe 20, you could argue, are doing managed WordPress hosting. And so you can see and, and feel that commoditization in certain aspects coming on. Using Nginx instead of Apache, for example, is not an advantage. It's, it's now just par for the course. Having some kind of page caching is par for the course. Having a CDN in there somewhere is par for the course. These, these are things that were special four years ago and are par now. And there'll be more things. And so part of our strategy to remain relevant and important and, and, and worthy of, of success and, and, and gaining customers is to continue that innovation, staying ahead, and other things like that. One, uh, I want to fork the next question. Uh, the next question is, how do you describe what you do in one sentence? 
Uh, I'd like you to take all of what you just said and describe all of that in one sentence for WP Engine, sure. but I'm also more interested in the one sentence of Jason the Entrepreneur. Um, oh, okay. So throw a sentence for WP Engine and a sentence for Jason the Entrepreneur. What WP Engine okay. does is it makes true the mission of WordPress, which is to the democratization of publishing. And just to explain that very briefly, um, WordPress as an open source project does do that in that it enables you. But for 99% of the world, maybe 99.9, .9, WordPress is a zip file full of PHP. <laughs> That's not quite democratization, democratization of publishing. There has to be a host on the internet that stays up even if you get attacked from people who don't like what you're saying. And then you've democratized publishing. Now, of course, Automatic, the company, is, is also doing that, right? Like, so let's be fair. But the open source project is, is a vital piece of that. But without the hosting and the sort of the trappings around that that make it actually up and real, um, it's not fulfilled. So that's what I mean by we're helping to actually fulfill the mission of WordPress, which is to democratize uh, publishing. Um, and you, you could, now that's, that's their words, you could also say putting control of, the, of your words and site in the hands of non-technical people, which of course is incredibly powerful and that's, that's, that's a good way to think of democratization. Um, for me as an entrepreneur, that's a really good question. It's changed over time. And because I've had success, um, you know, financially and otherwise, um, it, my goals have changed. So for WP Engine, my goal is to create jobs worth having and to genuinely do this, uh, you know, provide this democratization of publishing, provide control to people who otherwise are victims of their consultants or hosting, you know, hosting providers and so on, right? Um, and, I mean, all the freelancers watching now, like, you know, something goes wrong, even if it's not your fault. It is the host's fault. What do your clients do, right? They, maybe the host doesn't help, or they point fingers at you, or vice versa, and who's right? Well, here's who doesn't know who's right. Your client. <laughs> so they're a victim in the crossfire of all this, right? And that's tragic. And so fixing that kind of a, of a situation that, that hosting often is, and being a partner to freelancers, where we just go, you know, solve it together and stop. I mean, no pointing fingers. Let's just solve it. Um, trying to be a friend, uh, you know, be partners in that way, and then fr friends to our co common client. That I think is not a common um, thing for a hosting company to do. So I think doing that is important. I think it's important in helping our helping our our very consultants to develop their business because rather than pointing the finger at them or vice versa, we just solve it together and show their their clients a good experience um, and so on. So so that. That notion of creating an actually great experience for clients is really important to me, um, and then and then creating jobs that are worth having. So, we have we employ over 150 people now at, at WP Engine, and um, you know half of the folks we employ never went to college, and yet we pay really well. Everyone gets benefits no matter what. Um, we've had same-sex marriage benefits from the beginning, even though it's more expensive because that's important. Um, you know, there's a great work environment. The people to your left and right have your back. They're not looking to get you. Um, you know, there's even just regular trappings like like we bring in food every day and coffee and there's windows and stuff like that. Um, and um, but there's also career opportunities. We have an internal training team, so that we can take folks and say, hey, what do you want to learn? What do you want to do? Let's help you get there in your career. In many companies, the only way to do better is to move up, i.e., become a manager. Well, number one, most people aren't good at nor want to become a manager. And number two, even if they did, what six one out of only six or eight people can become that the manager, so it's not just mathematically that's not a, that's not an acceptable way to have a career within a company, and so you're forced to change companies to have a career, and I think that sucks. 
And so the idea of creating jobs for a lot of people and, and, and having, a, having a career path that, um, that may span different areas in the company and, and so on, where someone d d discovers who they are, what they like, what they're good at, what they want to get better at and work at it, and then be able to do that within the company, I think is truly changing lives. You, know, you talk about that, but it really, it really does. Um, so a good portion of our sales team came from support. Our AM team came from support. From our engineering team came from support. Even in finance and so on came from support, um, because we have you know we have that we have those opportunities and we work for those to exist. So I think that's important um, just in the world to do. And so if we're you know we are very successful from you know the usual business metrics point of view and that's wonderful. But I think if you stop there. That's just another business. That's just another thing with financial metrics. And even if you have thousands of employees, you're just another big company with jobs no one particularly wants. And that's just not that's not good enough for me now. And so, to, to me as an entrepreneur, like I guess if I could boil that down to a sentence, I suppose it would be um, something to encompass that. So, you know, creating experiences for our customers and also let's not forget our employees that truly do change people's careers and therefore lives and what they do most of their waking hours. I think that's far more important um, than exactly how big we get or whether we go public or whether we're valued at this or that. Um, that's the important thing and that's the thing where no matter what happens if we succeed at that, um, you can look back on it and say that I did something truly important uh, in the world and, and uh, of course we also want to be financially successful, don't get me wrong, it's not like that's not important, it is. But it's um, it's it's necessary. Otherwise, it all goes away. It has to be financially sure. successful sure. to be sustainable. So, of course, that's primary. Sure. But um, in that sense, but if that's all it is, it's it's hollow. Yeah, I totally agree. For seven years, I was a product director at an ISP, and I remember as you were talking before about the commodity of hosting and um, you know the uh, the the blame that maybe clients or freelancers put on the host. Uh, I totally get it. Um, I remember when blade servers were coming out, and we were like, "Oh my God, blade servers! We can stuff in, you know, ten servers in four U unit. Uh, this is amazing." And we used to do co-location walkthroughs with clients, uh, and that was fun, um, mm -hmm. you know, back then, and it was exciting, um, you know. But the support factor of an ISP or somebody who had servers, uh, you know, responsible for uptime, is not something that I I truly envy. Uh, anymore. <laughs> it's hard. Uh, it was definitely hard. <laughs> yeah, that, that said, um, you know, I, I, I really uh, appreciate the answer you gave uh, to Jason, uh, the, the, the co-founder or the founder of WP Engine, but did you ever, did you have the foresight that you were going to grow that to this size where Jason had to be responsible for the paychecks, for the lives of employees, forget the customer and keeping their uptime. But how do you deal with that newfound level of responsibility? Not newfound at this point, but when you started to find it, did that keep you awake at night? Like, God, I am responsible for somebody's family, their benefits, their salary. Uh, did that keep you up at night, or were you prepared for that? Well, this time around, I was prepared for it only because I had to go through that um, that crucible at Smart Bear, um, just at a smaller scale. But it doesn't matter because it, <laughs> yeah, it's true. More people is more, but um, the 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 pressure and the responsibility of that is is there even with three employees or one employee, um, it it's worse when you're having to fire somebody, and even though you know it's the right thing to do and this and that and, and intellectually you get that, um, it's always incredibly difficult and that that very fact of you know and what if they have a family and there's they have to support them and this and that and 
that is a that is an extremely difficult um, thing to face all the time. And at SmartBear, we didn't have recurring revenue, so it's worse. With recurring revenue, it's a little better because you know with pretty good fidelity what your revenue is the next month. Um, even if you had zero growth, you still have pretty good handle on your cancellation, and you won't have zero growth. But you know you have a you, you can dial it in pretty well what's going to happen, and so that alleviates some of that immediate financial pressure. At SmartBear, I didn't have that. Literally every month, you're starting again at zero, thinking. I hope we can pay for these, you know, 13 people or whatever. And um, no, that pressure never went away. And in fact, um, you know, when uh, it was funny when when I got this, I, I I didn't go out to sell Smart Bear. I got an offer, and I remember um, going home and telling my wife, "Hey, I just got back from this Tex-Mex restaurant, and this guy from New York just offered me all this money. I don't know what to do." Like, <laughs> at least think how it officially goes down, ladies and gentlemen. It it, it actually is. <laughs> um, and uh, and. She said, um, well, of course you have to sell it. You know, and I didn't understand this. So what, what do you mean? And she says, well, you know you're really unhappy, right? No, I didn't. <laughs> so this pressure, just as you're describing, um, and, and some of that is the, pay, is the paychecks, of course, and, and, and just, and are we making the right decisions so that there still is a company next year and all that? Um, were we right to go down this path with the product or hire that person or whatever? Um, yeah, it's it's it is very difficult, and uh, um, I think you know this time around the combination of recurring revenue and our growth is sort of ridiculous, um, and so you have a whole different set of problems which are I guess equally difficult to deal with in a stress level. They're just you know you just shift what you're stressed about to a different place, um, and so it, no, it's it's all incredibly difficult and stressful. I'm not sure that it goes away. And maybe yeah. it shouldn't. In other words, maybe maybe it's bad if, as a human being, you aren't concerned with the welfare of the people around you, or if if you think firing's easy or, or fun, maybe that's a problem. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's hard, but maybe that's that's okay in a in a way. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, and that's a, a phenomenal answer uh, to that last half there. Uh, you know, for for those who follow me on uh, on my podcast, they they. Primarily know that I grew up in the car industry. My family owned car dealerships for uh, you know, 60 years in our community, and there were employees working for my grandfather and my father who saw the birth of me and worked for us for three decades. You know, it's just ridiculous the, the amount of, of retention back then. Different times now, of course, different different markets. When I, I want you to be able to give it uh, two pieces of advice uh, to the WP Elevation listeners. When uh, or first tip uh, is are there any tips uh, to make firing or laying somebody off a little bit easier that you've experienced? And the, um, second, and the yes. second tip would be when do you know it's time to step aside to let somebody take control of some task, some major task. Uh, but number okay. one first. <clears throat> yeah, those are those are both great great things to get into. Um, so number one, making making letting someone go easier. Um, there's there's a bunch of stuff in here, and these are the kind of things where I was told this a few, a few times by a few people, so it's absolutely true. Still, it took me a bunch of iterations before I really internalized it. So I'm not sure that me saying this will directly help this next time, hopefully, um, but it may take it may take some motions. Many things in startups are like that, aren't they? But I'll tell you them anyway. So um, the first thing is to recognize that most people know they're failing. Most people realize they are not carrying their weight. And certainly the other people in the office know. When you think about the other people in the office and realize that they know 
that this person is, whatever they're doing, uh, they're not showing up to work on time, their work product's bad, their bad culture fit, they're kind of an asshole, whatever the thing is, or um, everyone else knows too, it ain't no secret. It's like when two people in the office are, you know, uh, going out and they think no one knows. Everyone knows. <laughs> they always know, right? Same thing. And so thinking about all the other people that aren't that person, their experience of having to come to work every day knowing that this is going on and the attitude of you, the manager, is to let it continue. And what does that mean? And how long will they be comfortable letting that go? And what kind of pride will they have coming to work and so on? And so you, you in a way, in a funny way, you owe it to everyone else in the office to act. And almost always everyone goes, yeah. And so that's number one. Number two, um, I, I remember I was we, we were at Capital Factory, which is sort of like a Techstars or a Y Combinator at, in Austin that I helped start. It's now about five years old. And we were doing this talk about this very subject. And someone said, all right, um, everyone here, raise your hand if you fired someone before. And it was a lot of people who have had businesses before, so almost everyone raised their hand. They said, now keep your hand up if you've ever, even once, fired someone too quickly. Every hand went down. You <laughs> always wait too long. It's always like painfully yeah. obvious and, and all that. Um, Again, maybe you can forgive yourself because it's sort of an error that a, that a that a good person would make, and so maybe maybe that's in that sense it's okay. But the point is that when you finally muster up the courage to do it, you're right. <laughs> like it's probably too late, um, and so you can take heart in the fact that actually, um, you know, that's true. The third thing is very interesting, which is you are preventing the person who's not succeeding from finding a place where they can succeed. You, as the manager, are literally causing them to be unhappy, unfulfilled, and unsuccessful. You are. Because there is a company out there where their skill set, their culture, even if they're an asshole, there are companies full of assholes where that actually works. Um, and, and I don't mean, so I literally don't mean that in a disparaging way. It's a positive thing. Like, that because I was people have a place to be. Yeah, and, and like, <laughs> and so pe most people don't have the, the, again, the courage to sort of recognize that and then do something about it. So you as the manager need to. And and so the first time I had to fire someone, I was told this, and I you know, just sort of went off my back, like whatever. And sure enough, they sort of felt they had I had been feeling that way, and they didn't have the courage to leave. They found another job in three weeks that was exactly a fit for how they work. And they were there for years and years and very happy. So it was it precisely happened, you know, in particular the first time it's ever happened. So I think it's not obvious that that's true, but it's absolutely true. And when you think about the fact that you're causing that for all your other employees, and in fact for that very person, you're preventing them from being fulfilled, um, it makes it maybe a touch easier to go, oh, wow, I have to be the adult here and do it and be the, the prime mover of this, of something that needs to happen anyway. And so maybe that helps. Um, so that's around that first um, the first question. Um, so delegation, um, that's another that's another really interesting one. So especially you know now at WP Engine with uh, 150 people, you know it's, it's sort of the job description has gone all the way to complete delegation. So there's a boy, there's a whole bunch of different things here. So um, here's the here's a here's an interesting uh, idea. You think of delegating the stuff. Um, when you think of delegating stuff, you often think of delegating things you know how to do. In other words, I know how to do, uh, you know, whatever, AdWords optimization. Therefore, I'll hire someone to do it because I can tell them what to do. I'll know how to ask them questions to interview. I'll know how to direct them. I'll know how to know if they're being successful. Because I know AdWords, I'll do that. What's interesting is that's actually the opposite of the right thing to do. The thing to realize is that 
you know, and, and I'm going to pick four categories. Obviously, they're arbitrary, but whatever. There's things you're not good at, things you're okay at, things you're excellent at, and things where it's your secret superpower you're stupid good at, and in fact, you couldn't really be replaced. And you think about delegating the things, you often think about delegating things that you're um, excellent at because you know how to hire and manage it, right? Um, but actually, <laughs> um, um, what you do when you when you delegate that way is you actually get worse output because you think you're really good at whatever the thing is you won't be able to hire someone who's in fact even better than you at it which is actually your job when you delegate is to find someone who is better than you at it so that you're not just sloughing off work but that the work becomes better than what it would have been had you done it and it takes a lot of ego set aciding in order to realize that that's true of kind of everything that exists at the company. And so taking that to its logical extreme, you have a really weird thing for a CEO, which is that your job is to hire and manage the entire executive team, whoever's running sales, marketing, engineering, accounting, people, and so on. And it's your job to ensure they're all better at that than you. And yet you're the manager of people who are executives and leaders of other people and you're the main leader and you are actually the person in the room who is the worst at all of these things. Now how in the world do you manage that? It's hard but actually that is the that is success as a CEO to do that otherwise you haven't hired big enough. So that's one of the traps of delegation at a small level or at a large level is to sort of go is, is instead of up leveling what you're what you're setting aside is, is you end up down leveling it because quote unquote I know how to do this or I figured it out first and now I'll give it to somebody else. It's usually wrong. Um, so the way to th the, you know a good way to think of it is how can you of course get out of doing any of these various things you might want to delegate from bookkeeping to design to getting new customers etc. Um, how do I do that? But how do I do it in a way that that's even more so that person's adding you know that adding 10x the value that you're you're paying them because they're great at it and and adding you know and adding not just time that you could have done, but something more than that. There's another interesting little um, sort of phrase to think about, which is, um, I didn't make this up, sadly, but it's absolutely true. Every time you think you don't need someone at a certain position, it's because you've never worked with a great person at that position. If you think, um, you know, like, I don't really need a project manager, that's because you've never worked with a fantastic project manager. <laughs> you know what you're missing. And that's been true to, for me for literally every position we've had a WPN. Or you don't have person. enough projects. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. When, you hire, when we've hired someone who's truly excellent at, the, at, their, at their post, it's, it's oh my god, how, how in the world have we ever not gotten along like this? And, and the, the force multiplier becomes. And so that's a good kind of way of thinking about it, and it's true. And a way to check yourself when you think, eh, I don't need that. And a way to check yourself and go, well, wait, maybe I don't need someone mediocre there. That could be true, right? But um, maybe it helps um, reset how you think about... Um, who you're hiring. Um, so a final note on that is again another trap with delegation is you think I'll delegate X because I can outsource it or because I think I should um, or because that's less valuable than something else and so I'll delegate it. But sometimes that's okay to do but actually optimizing for your own happiness and passion is not as is, is actually a really good idea too. And we we tend to set that aside and go, well, that's not important. What's important is finance or, you know, uh, uh, um, delegating the things that, quote, unquote, should be delegated, rather than thinking about what do you actually want to get up and work on every day? And, and maybe you're the CEO or the, the founder, et cetera, but what you want to do is stay in TextMate and type away. Or what you want to do is be in Photoshop and play with stuff. Or what you want to do is just be out there with customers and just sell. 
um, or whatever your actual sort of you know, passions and overused word, of course, but whatever you naturally want to do. Because whatever you actually want to do, you know, again, this is an over overstated thing, but you know, you're, you, the time will fly by. You'll be energized by it instead of defeated by it and, and de-energized by the end of the day. And that's really important for your mental health, for, the, for the, your productivity, for whether you're going to get burned out at this. These are important things. And so I think people do not put enough weight into delegating the things they literally just don't want to do, whether or not they're good at it, so that they can do things that they want to do which usually are also things you're good at, sort of, that, that comes together. And so I think you should allow that to be a factor in delegation. You should not think that's a luxury you're not allowed to have. Because after all, as a founder or a CEO or whatever, um, a freelancer, I mean, why, why are you doing this at all? Isn't it to do things that you're fulfilled by and is personally and hopefully makes you happy, although that's maybe a, a, another conversation, but something that's fulfilling and, and exciting and interesting. And not every second of the day can be that, of course. But why wouldn't you use delegation as a tool to fulfill that promise of entrepreneurship? If you hate, if you kind of hate the drudge that you're doing every day, um, why are you doing it? <laughs> right? Like that really destroys a lot of the, the good things about entrepreneurship. So don't ignore that when you delegate. That's yeah, a lot of answers, but hopefully that's helpful. <laughs> no, I mean, tons of great advice uh, in both of those answers, both parts about uh, firing, uh, hiring, uh, working with people. I mean, I think the greatest asset we have is the time. And if you're just if you're just spinning your wheels in the mud, afraid to uh, fire this person because you're just uncomfortable with it, just think about, like you said, the folks in the uh, in the office space uh, or in your remote team, they all know what's going on. Uh, so stop dilly dallying, wasting time because that's just eating away. Uh, and the the points of delegation is 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 awesome. Um, you know, and and setting free sort of those tasks uh, to people who. You know, uh, yeah, you might, you know, if, if you're just hiring folks and you're like, oh, I don't know, this person might be smarter than me. Why am I, why am I, you know, you know, giving tasks to them? They're an executive level. Look, it's very much a people, per, uh, a people uh, first uh, position, right? So if you can work with people, you can understand people, and you know how to take one person and make them work well with another person. That's the biggest part, right there. It's not who's smarter than who, who's got more credentials, um, but if you can appease people. And make them work together. Tremendous stuff. What's the one thing uh, that you're working on today um, at at WP Engine or side projects? Something that you're that takes <laughs> up most of your most of your tasks, uh, most of your time. Side projects. <laughs> not not there's no there hasn't been a side project for a long time, and there's not going to be. <laughs> um, Do you want to get back to side projects? Is the real question. Well, not right now. Um, okay. This. The, it's because um, it's there's so much going on. It's so interesting. Um, uh, you know, the, there's it's still a roller coaster of, of, of every day, and and so no no this is plenty of excitement <laughs> right now at, at WP Engine. Um, so so the question was what uh, what was the question again? I was yeah, laughing so about you, side projects. So I didn't on, hear the question. Yeah, what do you work on uh, mostly throughout the day? Uh, what's the biggest task that takes up your time? Um, what's the task? Um. I guess there's not really one task. I would say um, my primary job is to make sure that we in engineering are developing the right things today for the sort of tactical things that need to be done today, as well as setting up whatever the strategic um, goals are for the next you know year or two that we're making progress in those in some way, and that the team is the right team and empowered to do it. In other words, if there's even one task that's assigned to me, it's a failure of management. 
Now that's only because we're at a certain scale. That's not true when you're two guys. You just do it, right? Like there's everything I just said is not true. But you know, we have a team of uh, I guess 32, 33 engineers alone, much less the rest of the company. And so, um, if literally anything is something that I have to do, or even feel that I should do it, um, there's been some fundamental failure because either I'm not trusting someone that I need to, or I haven't empowered someone that needs to receive the power, or I haven't communicated something they need to know to make great decisions without me, or um, or or I haven't hired the right person that I should trust, which is still my fault, or something. Something's wrong. Or I'm micromanaging, or something's happening bad. If if that if even that um, if there's even a glimmer of like somehow I should be um, involved or doing it or deciding something, um, that's because I haven't I haven't empowered the team. So a lot of what I do is is recruiting and hiring, and then you know talking about strategy, working with the other departments outside of engineering at WP Engine around what we're doing and that sort of thing. Um, trying to find out what what is my what do my teams need for them to succeed. Um, you know what's working well or not. Um, trying to bubble up the sort of couple of main broad macro things um, for the teams to address or work on or make sure they're thinking about and so on. Um, and, and then there's some outward-facing stuff. You know, so as the CTO, and I guess also as the founder, a founder always has a special asterisk next to their name in public, um, and so. That comes with certain responsibilities, whether it's social media or blogging or going to events or talking with partners or customers and so on. So there's that. Highlighting the bull at a WordCamp. Yeah, and so you know, speaking of delegation, you know, one thing you cannot and 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 don't need to delegate is that little asterisk that says founder. That that carries a certain weight and meaning, um, and you can't delegate it. And so actually, all the more reason to delegate other things so that you can you can focus on on um, the things where that actually matters. Um, so sometimes that's even helping on a sales call and jumping on a sales call for 30 minutes just to say hello to the you know, the CMO of some large enterprise um, where that would be helpful and that's also a good use of my time. So how, how can I be helpful? With that star next to my name, how can I be helpful? That's awesome. Um, yeah, that's going to wrap up the more formal uh, interview. Uh, tremendous advice, Jason. Uh, I think the, the listeners of WP Elevation are going to get a ton out of that especially if, if they're a freelancer ready to team up with another developer or designer or uh, do a three-way partnership or something like that and just form that agency. Uh, a lot of this stuff you're going to have to do in the beginning, so this is a good forewarning <laughs> of what you're about to embark on, um, but uh, definitely some great advice as you grow and scale. Uh, I'm going to jump into uh, the second segment, what's in your toolbox. This is actually from the Matt Report, and I want you to answer it uh, <laughs> because uh, I want to know what pivotal piece of software you use to keep your team uh, in check or in play with all of this uh, stuff that you do day to day? Is it like a Trello? Is it simply email? Or what yeah. is it that you use to keep it going? Um, so the team, in terms of their daily tasks and communication, use Asana. Um, Asana is not really the best for things like sprint planning, although um, you can do it. And they have these kind of Easter egg features that, that actually make it more easy, because apparently everyone's doing this with Asana and, and they're supporting it. Um, it's especially useful for us because we have to interact with lots of other people in the company and so Asana makes it very easy for <clears throat> different people to follow like one particular task or get a quick comment or do the likes and stuff um, or just generally follow the status of something so there might be some particular group in support who wants to know the status of some feature whether it's getting deployed and when or some some account manager knows that a customer is waiting for X and so they can follow X and so on so Asana is pretty good for that kind of um, task management but also sort of ad hoc communication and, and following and, 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 and commenting and stuff. Um, I don't actually use it that much because 
no longer am I operating, um, doing that sort of thing day to day. Like I don't tell the teams what to do every week or which tasks to do or which ones first. Again, that would be a failure on my part if I'm telling them that level of detail. Now, you know, two years ago, yes, that is my job. But today, with the set of people we have, that would be bad. And so, I'll look at it just to, you know, so I understand what is happening. But, um, but the way I manage is actually in person because the, the, the kind of stuff we're talking about is not really something that tools or software particularly helps with. It's sitting down with someone saying, hey, what's going on? How, how's it going? You know, these projects were in jeopardy or were just needed more talking. Let's talk about it and um, should we set something else up to afterwards or with someone else and or having a phone call. So I'm very... Um, I'm very calendar-driven at this point rather than task-driven, which again is the right thing at this point. Um, so I guess the calendar, but the, but the answer is that those kinds of things aren't really tools. So I have some personal productivity tools. I use uh, Toodledo for task management. I really like it because it's pretty flexible and I can use start dates as well as end dates so I can, I, things that can't be started yet are hidden. And so that, that helps me just throw a ton of stuff in that will simply appear sort of when it's appropriate and that helps me a lot. I like Evernote for taking notes and, and just generally storing stuff that's easy to find. Um, so those are sort of my, the things that are running all the time, I guess you could say for me, are uh, Evernote, Toodledo, um, and then and then Asana as well, even though it's it's not quite as direct. And no, I don't have any particular relationship or, or interest in any of those things. Those are just what I use. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I've, I've got these visions of, of you wanting to hop into Asana, but somebody's slapping your hand away and say, no, you focus on your calendar only. Um, uh, that... that that happens. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Hey, none of us are perfect, right? <laughs> so yes. Um, we're gonna hop into the let's elevate round, which I guess is the Australian version of the Matt Report Lightning round. We'll ask you a series of quick questions, and you'll have a series of quick answers. Uh, what's the the number one thing any freelancer or consultant needs to know? Raise your prices. What's the best thing you've ever done to find a new customer? Realize that consultants are the channel to the best customers. That's a great answer. Um, how do you stop competing on price? Raise your price and then um, ask. No, oh, let me give you a different one. Um, ask yourself if my if I was ten times more expensive, what would I have to do to justify it? What would my website have to look like? What would I have to do as a service? Would I have to make a report? Would I have to speak a certain way? Would I have to have certain meetings? What would the work product need to be? How many hours would I have to work to deliver something? What would that have to be if I had no choice? Then do some of that stuff and then only raise your prices by like 2x. That's awesome. Uh, any tips on writing better proposals or perhaps increasing conversions? Maybe a little bit um, of what you just said. I guess those are two different things. Um, I would say honesty increases conversions. I could go in more detail, but you want me to be brief. But don't be, pretend to be an agency or a thing that you are not. And yet, you can trump up the things that you in fact are to still justify those prices. And if I could use just one word to describe what it means for an agency to be tiny and yet very expensive and justify it, it's boutique. Think, how can I be a boutique? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that a, a lot of us hear the advice uh, fake it till you make it, but I think we get, uh, that puts blinders on ourselves, and I think if we actually took a step back and realized how much stuff we already actually did as a freelancer or a solopreneur, you could justify 
your rates just in the just by spelling out what it is we do. Sometimes we forget uh, all the other stuff we provide uh, to our clients. Uh, you already answered a favorite tool or CRM uh, system, uh, or do you have a favorite CRM? No. No. We use uh, Salesforce, but I wouldn't say it's my favorite. Okay. That's a good Actually, I, I, you know what? Yes. There's a there's a tool, there's a CRM called Lantern CRM. Lantern like a light. Yep. And uh, it's a small company, and it's really aimed at small companies. You know, most CRMs are going after big sales forces and take on Salesforce and all this nonsense. And they just aim it like it's sort of like the uh, uh, the fresh books for CRM. It's simple, but not so simple that it's just nothing. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, like <laughs> yeah, it's not just a or it's, yeah, like kind of too simple. Um, like it'll do cool things like if the phone rings and you pick it up, the, the record for that customer just appears on the screen because it's linked up. Like genuinely useful stuff, um, but then not too much stuff. So Lantern CRM I think is pretty cool. Awesome. What, uh, uh, any ideas on getting referrals from your existing customers? Ask. A lot of people just don't ask. <laughs> um, yeah, that's silly, but it's true. Yep, absolutely. What's the number one thing you can do to differentiate yourself? Hmm. I think if you're forced to answer the question how to be super expensive, you, you are also forced to ask why you. But I think maybe that question, why you? Why why should you why should you do this project? Well, because I did this before. Well, because I've insight on why, or well because but if you ask that question, why should they pay why are you uniquely or not necessarily uniquely, but what specially, especially suited for this. If you can answer that, then probably some of your differentiating factors are also lurking in that answer. Um, uh, maybe another technique to find it would be go back through projects that really worked well. Like they just, the customer's super happy, you finished ahead of time, whatever. You, you almost felt like you left a lot of money on the table, and maybe uh, you did. <laughs> but actually, that's, a, that's an indication something really good happened, yeah. like in total, right? So asking um, other than just charging more, you know, what, why? Was it a kind of customer? Was there expectations? Was it in a sweet spot of what you built or something? Like, why is it that, uh, why was it that went so well? If you can do that with three or five things, maybe there's a couple of threads where you could say, that's me. This is when it goes really well. So let me differentiate on the basis of this sort of thing. What else would be commensurate with those things? Let me double down on those. Yeah. Um, we're going to jump into the future section here. I guess uh, Troy pulls out a magic crystal ball and touches it with electricity and stuff like that. But what's the future for you, uh, or probably WP Engine and WordPress? Uh, are they aligned? Do you have different visions for both uh, technologies and platforms moving forward? Uh, anything that you can predict for the future? Yeah, of course it's aligned. It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's inextricably linked. The future, well, WordPress is growing um, as a percentage of the internet, which of course itself is growing. And uh, I mean, things can't grow forever, I suppose. <laughs> Nothing can grow forever, but that trend doesn't seem like it's reversing soon. So, you know, what I see is more and more webs websites of all kinds, with all kinds of customers, from enterprise to uh, someone who's never been online before and doesn't know what WordPress is, will continue to come online on WordPress. And, um, you know, but so, you know, what is our future? It is to continue to ask, how is it that, well, here's a, here's a theme for how we think about the how, where we're going in the future. It is, um, if you think about hosting, it's, it's actually not the goal of the person who owns the website. No one wakes up in the morning and says, I wish I had more websites to manage. <laughs> so instead, the, there's always some other goal. My brand needs to be, have a great presence online. 
I need to know how to get people there and, and how to convert them. I need to generate sales leads. I need to do this marketing campaign. I'm doing a launch. I'm doing a backend of a mobile site. I mean, there's all kinds of things that you were in fact trying to do by being online. And the web, the, the, the web host or the hosting platform is the means, not the end. So if you think about what all of the managed WordPress hosts are today, they are all means. They're all like in a Maslow hierarchy sense. They're food, water, shelter. But they're not the other things. They're not contributing to the actual thing that the, that the website owner is trying to do. The more we can do that, the more valuable it is, literally, to the marketer. And also, also probably in terms of the value of WP Engine as a company. As you say, differentiation. You know, that's, that's something that's differentiated, that we're not just hosting. We're actually helping you succeed in, your, in the tasks you actually um, are trying to succeed in. And so that, I think, is an interesting way to think about what our future is, not just in like, well, I guess we'll warm up some more servers like, like we do every day. Well, yes, but I think that's where more value appears. Awesome answer. Uh, in conclusion, Troy has the question, what's the number one piece of advice you would give to any uh, entrepreneur trying to build their own business? But before you answer that, I'm going to say, you've already given us enough advice on this podcast. Save <laughs> for my podcast when I have oh. my show. Um, oh, no. <laughs> so, We'll hey, hold I've that. I've got another hour worth of stuff. We'll be yeah. all right. Until you appear online. Uh, I'd be hey, happy to. It's been, a, been an awesome show. I'm sure the, the folks listening to the WP Elevation are going to really love the advice that you gave out. Where can they find you uh, on the web to say thanks? Oh, sure. Um, so I'm on Twitter, I'm A Smart Bear, the letter A Smart Bear. Um, and my blog is blog.asmartbear.com, the blog I mentioned. I unfortunately have less time to post uh, now, but I've been doing that for seven years, so there's hundreds of posts there anyway. Um, but that's where you can find me, and of course, WPEngine.com is the company. Awesome stuff, Jason. Thanks for doing this. Everybody who's a, a WP Elevation fan, uh, Troy's an awesome guy. It's a great podcast. I'm happy to be a part of it. Uh, I am. I can be found at MattReport.com. Uh, it's another business WordPress podcast, so uh, feel free to check us out and uh, keep Elevating, I think, is how he ends it. Keep on elevating. And, and you have to check into Matt's podcast so you can get part two of this interview, right? Absolutely. <laughs> thanks, for the, thanks for the teaser. Thanks, everybody. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the WP Elevation podcast as much as I enjoyed not making it. And I hope that's not too weird. I'm sure you'll agree. Matt Medeiros did a fantastic job. And Jason Cohen was an awesome guest full of wonderful advice and uh uh, it was very generous of him to spend so much time with us on the podcast. Uh, of course, this episode is brought to you by Video User Manuals. I don't think I need to tell you much more about that other than the fact that it puts 60 video tutorials in your client's WordPress dashboard to teach them how to use WordPress so you don't have to. Find out more at wpelevation.com vum. See a video of the plugin in action and learn how it can help you get more sales and get more clients. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast so that you can make sure you never miss an episode, go to wpelevation.com slash subscribe. And when you do subscribe, you'll get instant access to a free content creation webinar where you can learn how to create content on a consistent basis that will help position you as the authority and you can teach this stuff to your clients as well. Uh, visit all the show notes for this episode at wpelevation.com slash Jason Cohen, J-A-S-O-N-C-O-H-E-N. Leave some comments underneath the video and tell Matt and I that we're crazy for doing HostSwap. And also, if you would like to win a coaching call with me, 
Uh, this is the first time I'm announcing the details for the competition, so here's how you enter the competition to win a coaching call with me. Simply leave us a comment underneath the video and tell us the number one thing that you would like to delegate. Tell us the number one thing that you would like to delegate and get off your desk so that you could start to elevate and concentrate on the higher value tasks in your business. That is, the tasks that are going to add the most value to the business, generate the most revenue or form the most strategic partnerships. But what do you need to delegate so that you've got the time and the headspace to do those things? So leave your comment under the video, tell us the number one thing you want to delegate, and you could win a free Skype coaching call with myself. Next week on the podcast, we are interviewing Natalie Macleese from Purple Pen Productions. Uh, it's a fascinating interview. In fact, it's already in the can. It's already up and about and almost ready to go. So come back next week and learn. Natalie is one of the, uh, she's the lead organizer of WordCamp Los Angeles, and she works in a small team of three women at Purple Pen Productions, producing websites for clients. Uh, it's a great interview. Uh, she spent almost an hour with us on the podcast. So come back next week for that. Until next time, I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as I have. Give Matt Medeiros a shout out at themattreport.com and thank him for doing it. Until next time, go elevate.